good morning. Uh, as a middle just pray, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, glad that you're with us. I, it, it, it's always a joy when uh, we get to uh, administer the sacrament of baptism here. It's one of my favorite Sundays. I mean, uh, what better proclamation of the gospel than little ones who are completely dependent uh, upon their parents uh, who are being declared uh, recipients of God's grace and his promises? Uh, what better portrait of the gospel? Uh, because Christianity is not about what you can do. It's about what God has done and what God will do. He is the one who pours out blessings, and we simply receive by faith. And, and so I, it's a joy to see baptism administered. And, and so uh, this morning, uh, we're going to uh, continue in a series uh, that we've been in. Uh, this will be our fourth week, a series that we've titled Signpost, Hope in a Broken World. Uh, we've been looking at different passages uh, in the Gospel of John in this series if you've been with us, uh, you've heard us say that these signposts are things that God has given to the world to orient us in the midst of disorientation, to point us in the direction of where we are all going. The signposts that we're studying are things that we believe Scripture reveals, that God has placed as a longing in every human heart, Christian or non-Christian, that everybody longs for love, Freedom, beauty, these are signposts that we've already preached on. Now, we have to understand that because we live in a broken world and sin has affected everything, our hearts being chief among sin's effect, what we do is that we take these longings God has placed in us and we distort them and express them in ways that are not God's intent and God's design. As Christians, we believe that each of these signposts that we're looking at in this ser series finds its origin and its destination, though, in the God of the Bible. The longings, these longings are given by God, and they find their fulfillment in God. This morning, we're going to look at the signpost of spirituality. Spirituality. I think, I think the signpost of spirituality is clearly a signpost that many have taken and looked for different destinations rather than the God of the Bible. I mean, since the early 2000s, research has shown that while traditional religion may be in decline, spirituality is on the rise. Census data shows us that there's an increasing percentage of people who will check not affiliated when it comes to religion. People identify as spiritual but not religious. This has been referred to as the rise of the nuns, right? Not affiliated. There's a rise in, in, in a desire and a concern for spirituality. Now, spirituality, we have to define it. Spirituality is a concern for the spirit or the soul as opposed to the material or physical world. It's a belief that there is more beyond the self, that there is something greater than the self. And as I just said, more and more people are concerned about the spirit and the soul. They're, People are searching for answers. So all we have to do is go on uh, iTunes and look at podcasts and, and search mind, body, soul, and you will see hundreds and hundreds of options uh, where people want to teach and discuss the soul. The same holds true if you enter into a bookstore. Tons of books to purchase if you want to learn more about the spirit and the soul. Now, there's no way in one short sermon that I can discuss everything in regards to spirituality. So for simplicity's sake, I want to boil it down to two things as we look at the Gospel of John together this morning. And it's this, that deep down in the heart of every human being, there is a longing to belong 
and a longing to become. A longing to become, I think it is seen in our society in the search for identity. In our current culture, and that means a search for self-discovery, something that will help reveal the true inner self, right? There are endless songs and endless movies with the, th- with the theme of discovering who I really am, or who, are, who you are to be, right? This is the power of virtual reality, which if I'm really honest, scares me for all kinds of reasons. Uh, but I know there's good to it as well. But it opens up a whole new world in which a person gets to determine who they are on the inside, even if it's not who they are on the outside. Our culture encourages us to be who we think we are. And in finding our identity, we can belong. Spirituality is also seen in our search for becoming, right? To personally become more than what we're experiencing in the present moment. And I think this happens in our society at least in two ways. The first is that we're encouraged to escape from the material world, to transcend through mindfulness, enlightenment, ecstasy, or we can be encouraged to conquer and use the material world for our own aims. This beck and call to worship at the altar of counterfeit gods like money, sex, and power to build our own kingdoms. Either way, we are being encouraged to move beyond the current self and to become more than we currently are, belonging and becoming. The Gospel of John helps us understand how God is the ultimate destination of belonging and becoming. And so we're going to look at John 15, verses 1 through 8 this morning. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time as we give attention to God's Word. I think in your bulletin it's through 11, but I'm only going through 8, and that's on the screen. Verses 1 to 8, John chapter 15. This is God's word to us this morning. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit from apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are with us and we ask that you would fall fresh upon the scriptures so that your word might come to life in it and you might speak to our spirit, to our souls, that we might come to life in Christ, that we might know our communion with Christ this morning. And I pray that, uh, that I would get out of the way because nobody came to hear Daniel speak. We came to hear Jesus speak. And we need you to speak to us, Lord Jesus, by your spirit. Would you do that? And, and so I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, when I graduated college in 2000, I I decided to 
to be a missionary uh, for two years in China. And so from 2000 to 2002, uh, I would go and spend time on a university campus. And I loved my time in China, some of the best years of my life. Uh, I formed genuine friendships uh, with many of the Chinese students on the university campus. And a question that I was often asked as I would get into a relationship and we would build friendships and they would just know that I was a Christian. And they would, they would ask, well, Daniel, what does it mean to be a Christian? How does one become a Christian? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not asked this question very much in America. It seems to me that many are open to talking about spirituality in America as long as it's not Christianity. But imagine you were asked this question. And if you need even more help imagining, imagine you're with me on a team in China and someone asked you that question. What does it mean to be a Christian? How does one become a Christian? How would you respond to them? What, what would you say as your answer? My guess is that if I were to put 10 of you on the spot right now, don't worry, I'm not going to do it. But if I were to put 10 of you on the spot right now to give your answer, there would be many differing responses. Now, our understanding of what it means to be a Christian and how one becomes a Christian is crucial because it answers the soul's longing to belong and to become. Christianity uniquely offers belonging and becoming in a way that every person longs for, while other spiritual paths wind up disappointing the soul at best or at worst causing harm to the soul. And so let's start by looking at belonging. Look at verse 1 in our passage, John 15. Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And as Jesus is speaking these words in the first century, inside the Jewish temple at the very center was a curtain. And over the curtain was an extremely large vine made of gold. And so every listener would know that Jesus is pointing to the temple. Now that's key because for the Jew, the temple was the center of spirituality. It was the center of their spiritual life. It was the place where the one true God, who was utterly different than the world, yet intimately present with those in the world, dwelt. And Jesus says, I am the vine. And in doing so, he's saying, I am the center. I am the heart of the matter. I am the center of spirituality. I am what the soul is searching for. That Jesus is heaven on earth. He's the Word made flesh. Jesus is God's presence dwelling richly on earth. He is what the temple has been pointing the people of God to for generations. And so as Christians, we do not gather around a temple. We gather around the person of Jesus. And by faith in Christ, we are given an identity. Through his life, his death, and his resurrection, we are proclaimed to be in Christ. John 15, 4. We abide in Christ like branches to the vine. Now, my, my two oldest boys love to play football in our front yard. And we were playing yesterday in the rain. I, I lasted just for a little. They lasted much longer than me. My oldest is bigger. Uh, he's faster and he's stronger. He's older, right? He's, right now he's going to be that way. I don't know if he'll always be that way, but he's that way right now. My middle is fiercely competitive. Uh, really dislikes losing. And so often to keep the game going and to prevent it from getting into a shouting match, I will block for my middle son. 
I had the ball get kicked off, and I will block my oldest so that my middle son can follow me as I clear the path for him to score a touchdown. If he gets outside of my coverage and outside of my blocking, his older brother will definitely tackle him to the ground. But all he has to do is stick close to me, attach himself to me, hide himself in me, find himself behind me, and he will take it to the house for a touchdown every time. Being a Christian is attaching ourselves to Christ. It is finding our life in his life. It's hiding in him. It's abiding in him. And our culture tells us to go outside of Christ, to find our identity by searching and discovering our true inner self. But God gives us an identity. Outside of ourselves, we are in Christ. And this identity gives us security, unlike anything this world can ever offer us. Because Jesus' love towards you is not based on what you do. It is based on what he has done. His life, death, and resurrection for you. Therefore, the safest place to be yourself is with Jesus. The safest place to, to be honest about your struggles and worries and questions to struggle in your sin is with Jesus. For in Christ, you belong to God. This identity and belonging, it also gives us a sense of protection and safety. Right? The great hymn that we often sing here, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We sing, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God is with us. Though we live in a broken world and there's darkness all around, and there is the presence of a real enemy who attacks us from the outside and tempts us from the inside. There is nothing that can snatch you out of the Father's hand because you belong to Christ. It's the glory of Christianity, the uniqueness of Christianity is that this identity and this gift of belonging, it is not something we work for. It's simply received as a gift of grace by faith. John chapter 3, verse 3, Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. And Jesus talking to Nicodemus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure this is confusing for Nicodemus. <laughs> he has to be asking, what? To born again? How is that possible? You can't go back into your mother's womb. This is, it, it, you can't be born again and... Nicodemus, in saying such a thing, would be getting warmer to the truth of, the, of Christianity. Because there is nothing a person can do to become a Christian. One must be born again. Another translation is born from above. There's not a one, two, three to becoming a Christian. Someone must, must be born all over again from above. You and I need a new origin. We need a radical change, a Holy Spirit from above change. We all know that when a baby is born into this world, the baby didn't go and get themselves born. They were simply brought into this world through the mother's labor. To be a Christian is not about what you do. It's about what has been done or needs to be done to you. To receive a new birth, a new origin, a new identity by faith that you are in Christ. And because it's a gift of God by grace, when we receive it, Nothing will ever be able to take it away. We're safe. We're protected. One other aspect of belonging that I, I want to quickly mention 
is that this new identity that we receive brings about a new relationship with God. You're, you are now in Christ. And one of the main ways that our passage in John 15 describes this new relationship with Jesus is friendship. We didn't read it, but John 15, verse 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. And in a sense, John's gospel, if you were to read it, it's a revelation of real relationship, real friendship with the living Christ. This is why I think John's gospel is one of the best places to start if you're new to reading the Bible. I always encourage people who are new to reading the Bible, start in the gospel of John. If, if you know people who are new to reading the Bible, encourage them to start in the gospel of John. It, it lays out this beautiful, real relationship and friendship with Christ. Chapter 2 of John, Jesus is at the wedding of Cana, and he brings the best wine out. He brings the full party because Jesus is fun. It's a joy to be in relationship with Christ. Chapter 3, he engages Nicodemus, who I just mentioned. Nicodemus is all, all consumed with what he needs to do, and Jesus meets him right where he is and says, Nicodemus, it's not about what you need to do. It's about what's going to be done for you. In chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman, a Samaritan woman, at the well, and instead of shaming her for her sexual promiscuity, she feels known and, and loved by Jesus. In chapter 5, Jesus heals a paralyzed man, tells him to get up, to walk, and then the next day he comes across the paralyzed man and says, your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus knows the greatest need is not just physical, but it is spiritual restoration. And then in chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Because he wants to meet our hunger and our needs. He wants to satisfy our, our, our needs. It's just a quick snapshot of John's gospel. A quick snapshot of who we get to be in relationship with. And we know something they didn't, which this Jesus would resurrect into new life. And that he right now is alive at the right hand of the Father. Which means when we are in relationship with, with him, he actually talks to us. And he listens to us. And he empathizes with us and he intercedes for us. It's sad but often too true that when we image God, we image God like a removed dad who's sitting up in heaven, arms crossed, waiting for us to get our act together. Or, or maybe we think he's like a, a, a kind of president of a, of a country who doesn't have time to stop and engage in conversation. That is not the God of the Bible. The Father sent the Son, the Word became flesh, so we can be in real friendship. And yes, God rules over all things, but He's also intimately involved with us, and He longs to know you. He's always working, yes, but He's never too busy. He's waiting for you. He wants to, to meet with you. He wants to hear you, and He wants you to hear Him. He wants to spend time with you. He loves spending time with you. Christianity offers us a new identity. We are in Christ. We belong to God and we get to enjoy real friendship with the risen Christ. That's belonging. The second thing is becoming. Look at John 15 verse 8. By this my Father is glorified. Right? By abiding in Christ, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There's a promise right here that when we belong to Christ, we will become more like Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will bear fruit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, the temple it was the center of Jewish spirituality, but so was the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the Torah. 
The Torah was seen as the book of instruction for God's people. It regulated all of their life. They believed deeply, Psalm 19, that the law of the Lord is perfect, revives the soul. That the power of, the, of Torah is that it would bring life, love, joy, wisdom to life. That through it, God would bring his very life inside the soul so that one created in God's image could become more fully God's image. That's why in Deuteronomy, we read, talk of God's law when you walk, when you sit, write them on your forehead, teach them to your children. Let God's word get inside your soul. So when Jesus is, what Jesus is teaching here in, in John is that when you are in Christ, the spirit of God dwells richly in you. The spirit lives in you because Jesus cleanses us from our sin so that we become a temple suitable for the spirit of God to dwell. And the spirit of God takes God's word and he makes it come to life with our spirit so that we bear fruit. And by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us day by day, we become more and more like Christ, more fully the image of God. As I was studying uh, and preparing for this sermon uh, in my office, I think it, I think it was Thursday, the internet just kind of went out on me. And I was like, ah, had to get back on the internet, had to hit refresh a couple times, get back. So the as I hit refresh, it would take me back to my homepage on the internet. The Holy Spirit is the refresh button that always takes us home to belonging to Christ. For when we experience the love and the heart of God in Christ, that is when we are transformed to become like Christ. Many pathways of spirituality encourage a transcendence, a departure from this world. Some encourage a consumerism in which we use the world to use things like money, sex, and power to conquer it. But Christianity teaches that God's design and hope is that we become more fully and more deeply his image each and every day. In other words, we become more fully human. And we don't transcend the world. We become earthly good in the world. We become more loving and more joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Our belonging and becoming in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit has a direction to be a refreshment to the world. John 7, 37 to 38 says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of her heart will flow rivers of living water. That as we drink from the fountain of living water, Jesus, out of our inner being, out of our souls and spirit will flow rivers of living water. That in Christ, you get the satisfaction your soul longs for and out of you will flow his life for the life of the world. And we don't work for this. It just happens to us. All you have to do is drink from the fountain of God's love in Christ and you become a conduit of God's love in the world. All you have to do is drink from the fountain of God's joy and you become a conduit of his joy in the world. You drink from the fountain of God's peace and you become a conduit of God's peace in the world. You drink from the fountain of God's patience and you become a conduit 
of his patience in the world. You drink from his kindness. You become a conduit of his kindness. Goodness. You become a conduit of his goodness, his faithfulness, a conduit of his faithfulness. You drink of his gentleness, and you become a conduit of his gentleness in this world. And if you drink from his self-control, you'll become a conduit of God's self-control in the world. Whoever lives life in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit will carry the life of Christ to the world. Rivers of living water will flow out of us to quench the thirst of those around us. By belonging to God in Christ and by becoming more fully human, more fully the image of God through the Spirit, we become a blessing. We become a refreshment to the world. So Christ Central Church, rest in Christ. Enjoy friendship with Christ. And by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, he will transform you to become who he's always wanted you to be. And we will then bear fruit for the life of the world. This is what it means to be a Christian. And it's the true origin and destination of all spirituality. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would help our unbelieving hearts to trust the gift of grace your proclamation of our identity being in you. Forgive us where we look for identity apart from you. And would we know that as we return home to your love and your grace and your mercy, day by day, you are transforming us in one degree of glory to another, that we become more fully human as we become more and more a reflection of Jesus in this world. And I ask that you would take each of us individually in this body as a corporate family and that we would be a refreshment to Durham and to the world beyond because rivers of living water flow out of us because we drink deeply from the fountain of of living water, Jesus himself. It's in your name we pray. Amen.